How many of you are enjoying the heat out there? How many of you are not enjoying the heat? Well, that's about 50-50 there. Okay. Well, glad you are here today. This morning, I want to talk to you about trusting in God's faithfulness. I had no idea that there are going to be so many songs this morning talking about great is thy faithfulness, trusting in God's faithfulness. You know what? The Holy Spirit is here. And today, I want to, my message is, I dare you. I dare you to trust in God's faithfulness. I dare you to trust in God's promises. I dare you to trust God in every area of your life. Before we go any further, let's pray. Because I want to get out of the way and let God get in your way. Lord God, we just thank you that you're an amazing father. You're a good, good God. And today, we just surrender our lives. We surrender our hearts afresh. Would you do your work? You are welcome here. The words I speak, may they be your words from your heart. We thank you. Thank you for your goodness. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. This morning, um, we're in a series of reviewing back of the things that we have been experiencing and being taught by Pastor Lance and the rest of the team throughout this year. And this morning, I'm going to be reflecting back on the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. And right in the middle of that, it says, yet I dare. Yet I dare to remember. One of the things, just backing up, Lamentations, what Lamentations actually means, it means loud cries. Loud wailing, it's after words, you don't have any words to express. Have you ever had a time in your life where you just don't have the words and there's just the groans and the cries? Because words just don't express. Several years ago, Bethany and my wife, we, were, we went down to Tucson for a vacation. And we were down there several days. We were staying at a condo and it was on a Tuesday morning. We were so excited for the day. Beth and I, we ended up going and walking and taking a walk in beautiful area of Tucson, which is just beautiful in the winter. We got back home and we received a phone call that changed our lives and our family's lives. We found out that our niece, who is actually named after my wife, her name was Bethany, she was getting ready for college and her dad was getting ready to take her to college to her first class in the morning and she wasn't coming downstairs. Bethany, get down here now, we're late. And he yelled several times because her daddy is a big, big dude. I mean, he, you ever seen Dog, the bounty hunter? He looks just like him, the long hair and everything. And he went up there and knocked on the door. Bethany, we gotta go. Open the door. And she had taken her life. I mean, he just picked her up. He didn't have the words. Blood all over, just picked her up and grabbed her and just started weeping. We got a phone call uh, a few minutes later. And best mom was staying with us with the condo where we were at. And we heard that she had taken her life. And best mom, June... She went into a wail 
into a groan that I have never heard from the deepest part of her body, her grandchild that had just died. Lamentations. This talks about the groans, the things that afterwards you have nothing left. I've talked to a number of you. You've had family die recently, even taking their own lives, which has just sent your families to just a wreck. There's all kinds of things that have happened in your life from the different sicknesses, different challenges, relationships that have just been shipwrecked. Life happens. Some of you are without jobs and going, God, what is going on? Life takes crazy turns. You know, we're not guaranteed a safe life. A life without pain, without problems. Let me, Jesus guaranteed that you're going to have challenges and pain. You're going to have all kinds of things. You're going, how do I navigate through this? But I want to tell you, God is faithful. God will see you through it. He'll see it somehow. Some way God will see us through. God is faithful. Maybe some of you are here. God, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Are you really faithful? You know what? If you're questioning that, that's okay. And I'm glad you're here. Because the book of Lamentations... It is written after the children of Israel have gone into captivity. Seventy years, God said that he would discipline. It's interesting. Back in Leviticus chapter 26, God said, If you, children of Israel, I'm making a covenant with you that if you follow me, there's going to be blessing after blessing. But if you choose to go your own independent way, refuse to follow my commands and my covenants and my statutes, there's going to be a time you're going to be spanked because every good parent disciplines. And our Father's a good, good God. So just as we've been talking about the last several weeks about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in captivity. So here Lamentations, all these people have been deported and only left were the poor. Those that were left behind in Jeremiah was left behind the prophet. He was known as the weeping prophet because he was so broken for a nation that turned away from God. 500 years later, Israel, or 500 years before, Israel said, we want a king. We need a king. We just don't want to trust you, God. We want a king. God gave him a king. Gave him King Saul. And he turned astray. And then there was a man after God's own heart, David. Just a shepherd boy. God called him while he was faithful in doing what he knew how to do as shepherd sheep. And God called him to be the king. And through the line of David, we would have Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, who would come. But it's interesting as we see those generations for 500 years Decade after decade, century after century, Israel was in a downward spiral. They started to forget God. They started worshiping other gods, the God of Molech, where they would actually take their children to the God of Molech, and there would be a fire underneath. They'd place the ba their babies right there in Molech's hands and go right into the fire, alive. 
It got so bad that in the temple, the holy temple where only the priests were to go, they end up bringing prostitutes in and having prostitution in God's holy temple. Let me tell you, God is slow to anger. But there comes a point that he has to say, enough is enough. And that's when King Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed and flattened Jerusalem because of their disobedience. But there's hope. In the midst of all of this, Jeremiah wrote this in Jeremiah 33. I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, not to hurt you, but to give you what? Hope and a future. In the midst of this, God's giving promises. And here in this book of Lamentations, Jeremiah is just weeping out to God, calling out to God. Pain. Because our lives are filled with pain. Some of you here today, you're in pain because of decisions of other people. Maybe your own decisions. And I'm so glad you're here. Because watch what God is going to do here this morning. I just, I just want you to know that here in Lamentations, it's, a, it's truly an amazing book. And a lot of these, in chapter 3, a lot of these same things are taken out of the Psalms. There are a number of the Psalms that where David and the other Psalms would just pour out their heart. Do you know you can be real and honest with God? God can handle your emotions. God can handle your pain when you yell at God. When you get upset, God can handle that. He's a good one to go to when you are frustrated and mad and angry and grief and pain. And I just, I just want you to know that here in this book, it's a way to process your emotions. This book here, it gives validity to the grief and the pain and the confusion that you are going through. Because Jeremiah, he's writing and he's going through all these emotions. God can handle it. And you know what? This book gives a sacred dignity to the suffering that you and I are going through. Man, I dare you. I dare you, number one, the first thing I want to dare you is I dare you to be honest with God and yourself. When you are going through a hard time, be honest with God and be honest with yourself. Don't ignore it. Don't hide it. Don't blow it off. You be real. There are things that are just going on in your life. Listen to this. It's just, it's truly amazing. Lamentations 3, starting in verse 5. This is Jeremiah writing this. He has besieged me and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walled me in and I cannot escape. You ever feel that way? He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. Do you ever feel like your prayers just are being shut out? It happens. You feel like that. But God is there. God is faithful. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall and has made my road crooked. Wow. Jeremiah's being honest, isn't he? 
He's very honest with God, with himself, and the pain, the suffering. Because of the consequences of the children of Israel, he was preaching to the people, turn back to God, turn back to God, call on the Lord, and he will show you great and mighty things which you don't know. I want to encourage you, dare you to trust God in your emotions and your feelings. What I want you to do is, before you go and get on Facebook to text anyone, do anything, don't do that. Go to God. Go vertical first. Go vertical to God. Because he made you. He designed you. He wired you uniquely. Go to him. Man, it's a lot better than hurting all the other people that are around you. Go to God. If God was big enough to handle Jeremiah's pain, he could handle yours. You know, there's, there's some other things that you could do, just a couple practical things. You know, journaling is a great way. Write out your pain. Write out everything that you're feeling. Write it out. That's a very, very powerful way. Another thing is getting into the Psalms. The Psalms are loaded with where you can connect that life, Man, it's horrible right now. It sucks. I can't stand life. But yet, it'll turn back to God. Yet, yet, I will choose to trust God. Get, to other, get together with others that have gone through some of the challenges. Get together with them who've made it through. You know, and we've got some great counselors here in this church. If you need somebody to talk to that will navigate you to Jesus and help you get through it, we've got some great counselors here. After my wife, she died of brain cancer. I was a single dad and with a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old. We had just planted a church. I go, God, how am I going to get through this? And I was on dialysis because I've, I had uh, kidney failure. I was... Had was on dialysis for seven years, and then I had a transplant, and it failed, and then I was back on dialysis again. And all this was happening. My life was like, it was pretty crazy. But what I did is I would go down to Ording along the Puyallup River, and I would walk and just talk to Jesus, walking and talking to Jesus. You know, Jesus was good walking along his disciples and all the things that they would say. He's a God that listens. He says, pour out your hearts to God. Pour out the real pain, the challenges, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He gets it. Jesus understands it. I want you to know that he's a God that relates. That's why God sent him to be 100% human, but 100% God. He gets it, what you're going through, and he's there to help you and me. Wow. I dare you to be honest with God and yourself. Again, go vertical first. Man, you're going to save a whole lot of pain. Go to God. Go to God. That's probably the last place you want to go, but go first. Go vertical Next, the second thing, man, I dare you to remember God's promises and God's character. I dare you to trust God's character. He is faithful. Do you hear those songs this morning? If he's done it once, he's going to do it again. He's going to see you through. God is going to be faithful to you. 
In this whole chapter, chapter 3, with all the grieving, everything that Jeremiah is going through, there's this whole turnaround. In the middle of this book of five chapters, he focuses on God's character and God's promises. He says, and yet, yet, look at this verse 21. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Remember this. If you get one thing, remember this. The faithful love of the Lord, what? Never ends. His mercies never cease. That love. In the Hebrew, this word of love, it's it's all wrapped around and balled together with his love, his compassion, his forgiveness, his truth, his character. It's all tied together when you hear that. Yet I still dare to hope. And remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. And then verse 23. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh, what? Each morning. Good morning. His mercies are new and fresh to you today. Today and tomorrow when you get up, they're going to be what? Afresh. They're going to be new. You can make it through this life when you don't think you can. You're going to be able to make it. Two weeks ago, Beth got a call from her brother lives in Tucson, said, my daughter, who's 31 years old, my kids went together to school with their kids and so, and with their daughter, and said, she's in the hospital. And he had to travel, he and his wife, they left Tucson, had to travel to the other side of the nation, took them 10 hours to get there. Transferring from plane to plane and all kinds of weather problems and things, but they got there at the midnight. Sunday night, they went in to see their baby girl. And she wasn't doing good. She's married to a pastor. And she was so limp that he, the husband, had to pick her up and take her into the bathroom. Five children, 31 years old. And found out that she was diagnosed with leukemia. They were there that Sunday, and Monday morning, she went home to be with Jesus. You know, complications, life. Sometimes life just sucks, doesn't it? You know? And, and one of the things that uh, Beth wrote her brother, and, and he's a pastor and just a great man of God. The whole family is just truly amazing. There's a verse that helped Beth, my wife, get through when her husband died of heart issues in a stroke and all that. She had to take care of him for 14 years after his first heart attack. And it sits in our bathroom, Romans 15, 34. Our God is a God of hope, and it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you will overflow with what? 
hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, that verse, he sent that verse out after the daughter passed away. It says, man, I know you're going through a hard time. We're going through a hard time. But may the God of hope in the midst of those dark nights and trials, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you, as you trust in him, as you what? As you trust in him, so that you overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm glad God hasn't abandoned us. He's given us his counselor. He's given us his Holy Spirit. Man, so that we can, God is for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? God is there. That's why I dare you to hang on to his promises and on to God's character. In the middle of the night when you wake up and your mind's twirling, you can't shut off your mind. Does that ever happen? Happens to me. Because you're thinking about situation, thinking about the kids, thinking about work, thinking about this and this and this and this. I want you to know to change because that squirrel cage isn't going to change. But to change it from all those thoughts and worries. Do you know what? If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. It's just the negative meditation. But the positive meditation. What are those verses? Focus on God's character. Focus on when my son was in the hospital. He was having a mental issue and thing. It was a horrible time. In the last two summers, it had happened. I would just wake up, God, how are we going to get through this? What is going to happen? How's it? There would be these verses that would come. And his love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God can be trusted at all times. In Psalms 33, 3. God can be trusted at all times. Man, nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's verse after verse after verse of his promises and of his character that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Man, focus on those. I found that as I just focused on God's word, as I focused on those promises and his character, you know what? The God of hope would come and bring peace, and I'd go back to sleep. Keith, my friend, right down here, Keith Timmer, we went on vacation. We were down at the, the ocean, uh, down at Seaside. It was a beautiful weekend. I remember Keith, he went out just to have his quiet time. He was all in his hood down by the pool in the ocean, and he has this little box. It's really cool. And all these years of all these promises and scriptures of God, he has this little box. Doesn't have his phone, but he's got his little box right there. And just keeps meditating over and over again. Thinking about the promises of God. What are the promises that you go to? Last week, Pastor Lance talks, what's the usual thing that you do? The usual thing, do you go to God? Do you go vertical? Do you go to his promises? Do you go to his character? Or do you go to all these other things and worries and want to bomb off people? You know what? God is faithful. God is faithful. Verse 24. It says this. I say to myself. What do you say to yourself? Jeremiah says this. The Lord is my inheritance. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him. To those who search for him. Are you searching? Are you searching and seeking? 
So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good to wait quietly. Is it hard for you to wait quietly? I thought I was good at it, but I'm not. Man, just learning to just be still. Then I get up in the morning and I get my coffee ready. I do all my stretches. And then I just sit down and just go, okay, Lord, I just want to sit quietly. But my mind's thinking about boom, 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 this and this. Am I the only one? Maybe. So I just said, so this is what I do. Maybe this will be helpful. I just have to take these deep breaths. I just, I just breathe in and say, as I breathe in, I just go, Lord, fill me with you. Fill me afresh. And then I just exhale. I says, Lord, I just give you all my pain. I give you all my problems. I do that about 10 times. Just all the things until everything's out. Everything, and then I can just wait and be still before God just. And just let God speak to me. Just to be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It's hard in our generation because we've got to have this and this and this. If we're not music, we've got to have our phone. We've got to have this and this. And be still and know that I am God. You know what? Jesus is faithful. In fact, in Romans 19, 11, when Jesus comes back on that white horse and we're behind him, when he will have complete victory, it says this in Revelations 19, 11, and I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. See, God is faithful. He's the beginning and the end. God is faithful and true. I pray for you that you would get on the usual track, that it would be usual for you to go to God's promises. One of the first promises I ever learned after I came to know Jesus, it was because of summer camp that I accepted Jesus Christ into my life, changed my life, and learned the power of memorizing scripture. It's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. That God, you're going to take care of me. You're going to take care of my family. You're going to see us through. That was one of the promises. Seek first. What do you do first? Third, I just, I want to dare you, because it's just not enough to stop there, to be honest with God. I dare you to be honest with God and yourself. I dare you to remember God's promises and his character. But the third is, I dare you to take time to turn back to God. I dare you to take time to turn back to God. Do you know what Jeremiah wrote about the heart? Your heart. Put your hand over your heart. Put your hand over your heart. It says the heart is above all deceitful and wicked. Ooh. We don't like that. Our hearts are deceitful and wicked. That's why we need to take time to be still before God and say, Would you examine me, Lord? Examine my heart. King David. He said, Man, examine my heart. Test me and see if there's anything 
offensive to you. If you look at my heart. Here in Lamentations 3.40, Jeremiah says here, it says, Let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to the God in heaven and say, We have sinned and rebelled, and you have not forgiven us. You know why God hadn't forgiven them? Because they hadn't turned back to the Lord. They hadn't asked for forgiveness because they were stuck in doing their usual and turning away from God instead of putting God first. That. Let us turn back to the Lord. I want to encourage you every day to turn back afresh to the Lord. Turn back saying, Lord, are there any words? Are there any thoughts? Are there any actions that were displeasing to you? And it's turned back. It's called repentance. Jesus, he came with a message. His message was, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. My rule and reign is to start from the inside out. It starts from the inside. Checking our heart, mind, soul, and body so we can love God with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul. Examine. Is there anything? Anything. Maybe just a little thing. It's a big deal to God. Turn back afresh to God. Turn back to him. 1 John 1, 9, it talks about God's faithfulness. If, if you and I confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from some sin. Is that what it says? All all sin. Isn't that amazing? Every time you come to God, he forgives us all. He says, why did you do that again, Steve? Why did you do that? I'm just tired of you doing that. People will get tired of you, but God will not. He is faithful. He's true. Look at verse 31. For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows what? compassion. Because of the great, because of his greatness and his unfailing love. For, get this, I want you to get this. For the Lord does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. Lord doesn't enjoy that, but he's a good, good father. He's a good, good God and cares about us. And then Lamentations 3, 55, 57, look what it says. But I called on your name, Lord, from deep within the pit. You heard me when I cried. Listen to my pleading. Hear my cry for help. Yes, you came when I called. You told me. You told me, do not fear. Say that. Do not fear. Do you know that phrase that God has said? It's written in the Bible. Do you know how many times? One day for every day of the year, 365 times. Do you think God wants us to fear? No, do not fear. Don't worry. Don't stress. Do not fear. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will see you through. I will be faithful all the way through. I dare you. 
I dare you. God is great. God is faithful. Just say that. God is faithful. Say this. God is faithful. Go ahead and say that. To me. God is faithful. Mike and Annette, will you come up? I want Mike and Annette. We're in a small group together. A life group. And uh, it's uh, just been a joy of getting to know them, their journey. They always sit up here in the front row. But a lot of you don't know their journey. You know, there has to be the ridiculous in life to become the miraculous. And they're in process right now. But, I mean, the things that have happened have been so crazy, they just have laughed. Because, no, I don't believe this. And so I want you to share a little bit of your journey, and then I'm going to ask another question that, uh, but who wants to share? You can go for it, Michael. So tell us what the journey, it's been kind of like crazy the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, where to start? So 33 years ago, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and um, <clears throat> through that process, I found out in about January of last year that I was stage four kidney failure. And um, it's funny, this, this guy next to us spoke on God doing the uh, miraculous and ridiculous situations. And uh, I was thinking as he was speaking, he was talking about having kidney failure and not being able to pee. And as we were, at the time, we were actually sitting in the back row. But... Um, as he was speaking about that, I was thinking, that's kind of funny. That's me. I don't, I don't do a lot of peeing <laughs> because I have kidney failure. But um, uh, in April of last, of last year, I, I broke my uh, left foot walking, trying to exercise and trying to get in shape and lose some weight and trying to just do better. And uh, didn't know that I'd be in a boot for a year and on a scooter for almost a year and um, in May of that same year I went in for a transplant evaluation and uh, <clears throat> everything went great until the heart study in the heart study they saw something that was not correct and so <clears throat> they sent me in for an angiogram and an hour into the angiogram, they stopped it and said, okay, we are seeing something more than what we want to see when we do an angiogram. So they came to my hospital room, and, and the doctor looked at my wife and me and my brother and his wife and said, you know, you have four arteries that are 78% blocked or more. And um, if we do medicated stents, then uh, you'll be on blood thinners for over a year. And we can't do a transplant if you're on blood thinners. You'll bleed to death. And um, so I said, well, give me a quadruple bypass. <laughs> and, uh, and they were like, well, you just don't make that decision. I said, well, no, I just make that decision. I mean, it's me. And uh, so 
They said, well, we talked to about 29 doctors, specifically about you, your transplant team, and we'll make a decision. And ultimately, the next day, they called me and said, you know, we think your idea is pretty good. Let's do a quadruple bypass. <laughs> so in between waiting for the quadruple bypass, Annette and I decided to skip church one weekend. And uh, we took a drive, and we went over to wa eastern Washington. We have this little drive that we do, kind of a loop. We always go to Sela first and uh, stop at a fruit stand there that has antiques. We like antiques. And in the middle of driving, uh, well, not drive. we were actually in Sela. Pastor Lance texts me and says to me, uh, gosh, you know, we really missed you this morning. Uh, just wanted you to know we love you and we're thinking about you. I said, that's awesome. And he goes, do you know what I talked about this morning? I said, nope. And he said, we talked about Sela, having peace in the middle of a storm. And when I wrote that sermon, I wrote it thinking about you, Michael, the whole time and what you guys were, you know, going through. And uh, <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> and I said, you'll never guess where we're at. <laughs> and Pastor Lance said, uh, where? And I said, we're in Selah, Washington. <laughs> and I go, isn't that God? Isn't yeah. that crazy? Yeah. And, uh, and so, long story short, um, there's just so many of those crazy, miraculous things that God has done through this process. I had a quadruple bypass that ended up being a triple bypass. Um, one of the arteries hemorrhaged, so they had to just stitch it up, close it. And um, I ended up on dialysis. Uh, in that recovery process in the hospital, my, they had to put so much fluid on me that um, the, the fluid took out my kidneys the rest of the way. And um, so now I've been on dialysis since July of last year. And uh, He's got his scars right here. Where yeah, he gets poked. I got my scars. <laughs> My, my track marks. We share scar stories. My track marks, you know. Um, every other day I'm in there for four and a half hours. and But God has been faithful. Yeah. And uh, the average person on dialysis lives eight and a half years, by the way. So for a lot of people that are in there, they're not on a national transplant list or have the opportunity for transplant. So their hope is is pretty hopeless. So every day when I leave... I smile and look at every one of them, and I would say, God bless you today, you know, and uh, I'll be praying for all of you, and there's eight of them that are in there with me, the same people every morning, and um, God has been faithful, yeah. Amen. and uh, I wake up every morning, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. So, Annette, where was the time wives process differently than husbands? Amen. <laughs> so, where, was there a time that you just like lost it in the midst of this craziness? Because Michael, when you were in the hospital, what it was like a month? It was up yeah, half, half a month. Fourteen days. Fourteen days. It seemed like a long time. I mean, just yeah. all the recovery, but all the things. What, tell us about a time you just lost it. Well, usually I'm, I'm a pretty faith faith based person. My go to is always God. Um, 
because why not? You have nothing to lose if your go-to is God. Otherwise, you're standing there hanging on to your circumstances and making yourself and everyone else around you miserable, and you're not seeing what God is actually doing. So my go-to is God. But I had a moment. It was between broken foot and cardiac surgery. Well, when he's got a broken foot and he's running around with the nitro pills in his pocket every place he goes and he can't do anything, who gets to do it all, right? <laughs> well, I'm not a stranger to that. I was a single mom for 16 years, so I've seen God show up in major, major ways. So I knew God's faithfulness, but during this time, women, we have our to-do list, right? We got to do this. There's all the details. And so I'd allowed myself to just become inundated and overwhelmed with focusing on the details of stuff. And it was just stuff. And I came home from work. I had just started a new job. And I'm worried about because I'm going to know, I know I'm going to be off of work for at least two weeks from a brand new job I hadn't even been 45 days into. And I'm thinking, great. And I'm just going to lose this fantastic job that we had to walk through an adventure to get to. But so I'm sitting in my car, and I just kind of at that moment where I was feeling the weight of everything that I had in my to-do list. I was just crying out to God and weeping, and God said, in Lance's voice, (laughs) just do the next right thing. And it kind of snapped me out of it. I'm like, what do you mean do the next right thing? He said, no, do the next thing. Like, what do you mean do the next thing? When you go into the house, when you get out of the car, what are you going to do? Well, I didn't clean the dishes from the night before, so I got to clean the dishes. He said, go do the dishes. Just go do the dishes. Don't worry about the other stuff. After you get done with the dishes, what are you going to do after that? Well, I got to make dinner. So go do the dishes and make dinner. What's the big deal? And he kind of showed me that my to-do list was all my junk. You know, it was going to get done. I didn't need to worry about it. And I think... You know, one of the things that God has showed me over the last few years is that it's okay to give yourself permission not to worry. Amen. He told you 365 times, don't worry, don't fear, don't be anxious. And yet, we as Americans love it. We serve ourselves anxiety for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We put it on a silver platter and give it to ourselves for for dessert at night, right? We love it. And God said, don't do it. And so he showed me a long time ago that when we're busy focusing on our stuff, that we're actually walking in disobedience. And I wanted to be free of that. So I had to give myself conscious permission to be free of worrying and being fearful and being anxious. And I tell you what, Steve, it is so liberating. You have no idea how completely liberating it is when you give yourself permission not to worry and to walk in the obedience of not worrying. Mm. And it's amazing. And you know what? God showed up majorly. Mm. That whole time when we were in the hospital, we were in the hospital for 14 days. We have not received one single medical bill, not even one. God showed up huge. 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 Yeah. And, it, you know, like I said, I just want to encourage you guys, walk Amen. in that obedience of not fearing. Walk in that obedience of God's faithfulness. You know what the meaning of grace is? Tell me. The meaning of grace is the free and unmerited favor of God. Mm. And he is faithful 100% of the time in being free 
and merited favor. Mm, amen. Thank you, guys. Michael, you are not, I'm going to hand Michael this. Michael is going to sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. In the ninth season, have you heard of The Voice? On The Voice, Jordan Smith, he, he actually won The Voice that year. He sang, he sat at the piano and played, and then he got up and just started singing a cappella. Great is thy faithfulness on national TV. Listen to the words, read the words, because it culminates this, how faithful God is. The man who wrote this, he ended up having health issues. He ended up in the ministry, he had to retire. But just an amazing journey of the person who wrote this, because he saw God was faithful every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions. They fail not. As thou has been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness. To his great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thy 
thine own dear treasure to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me Amen. Let's let's all stand. I know that we've gone a little bit longer. I just looked at the time and go, oh no. So those of you that have kids, uh, just go and grab your kids. But just, Father, would you work in our lives? May we turn to you. May we dare to remember, great is thy faithfulness. Amen. God bless you.